Hey, it's Howie. We're rerunning a few of our favorite episodes this week, taped at various stages in our reporting. The words remain urgent, the voices important. Up today, Saru Jayaraman. This episode originally ran on April 24th. This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Khan, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guest is Saru Jayaraman, president of One Fair Wage. Saru has spent the last two decades fighting for workers' rights. What follows is a critical and timely lesson in restaurant labor and economics. It also paints a powerful picture of service workers in America and why sub-minimum wages must be abolished. Saru's words matter. They encourage action. Let's follow her lead. We're back Monday with an all-new guest. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Stay tuned now for Saru. Morning. Good morning. So let's just jump in. You work on the One Fair Wage campaign. Tell me what's going on right now in terms of fighting for fair wages in a moment where all attention is on the restaurant industry and saving the industry. You're protecting some of the most vulnerable workers in the industry. Uh, talk to me about the emergency response. Yeah, well, um, if it's okay, I think it's important for people to understand the situation of the industry prior to coronavirus and some of the history that got us to this place, which is that um, you know, we have been the nation's second largest and absolute fastest growing industry prior to coronavirus. We were about to hit the 14 million worker mark. One in 10 Americans had been employed in restaurants. Um, but it continued over over 80 years to be the absolute lowest paying employer in the United States. Um, and so that fact that you had the largest and fastest growing industry with the absolute lowest wages is being laid bare in this moment when you've got so many millions of people completely destitute the next day after being laid off. It's it, what we've been saying for years is become very. And what we've also been saying for years is that a huge reason that you've got the largest and fastest growing industry with the lowest paying wages is the money power and influence of a trade lobby called the national restaurant association, which leads the chains and which has been around actually, believe it or not, since emancipation of slavery, when it first demanded the right to hire newly freed slaves, not pay them anything and have them live entirely on a newfangled idea that had just come from Europe at the time called a tip. And tips in Europe had always been on top of a wage in, in the United States because of slavery and, and at emancipation, the restaurant lobby said, well, we shouldn't have to pay these black workers anything, let them live entirely on a tip where the notion of people getting tips as a replacement for wages came about. And so we went from a $0 wage at emancipation to a $2.13 wage in the United States of America in 2020 for the nation's largest and fastest growing. And so when a crisis like this hits and you've got 13 and a half million workers, so many of them waitresses, single moms living on a $2 wage plus tips, what happens? What happens is that majority of them don't end up qualifying for unemployment insurance for a variety of reasons that I can get into. Even those that do qualify, though, are 
getting unemployment insurance measured on a $2 wage plus tips or a $3 or $4 wage. Most states in the United States have a wage of under $5 an hour. And so you're talking about millions of people getting unemployment insurance measured on a $5 wage plus tips. It's not, it goes beyond what we used to say, this is not enough to live on. Now you're talking about depression era levels of poverty and starvation, not among a sliver of the economy, but among the nation's largest and fastest growing industry. And so it's really laid bare what we needed all along, which is a full livable minimum wage with tips on top. That's what California and six other states have done for a very long time. And so what it means is that worker a server in California right now is getting unemployment insurance measured on a $15 minimum wage plus tips. A server in Pennsylvania is getting unemployment insurance measured $2.83 wage plus tips. And because those wages are so low, some of those workers are being denied unemployment insurance because their wages didn't even meet the threshold of being eligible for unemployment insurance. It's, that's insane to me that you were penalized already getting such a low wage in your job just for choosing the hospitality industry. And then you're penalized on top of that for nothing that's your fault for your employer paying you ridiculously low wage. Now you can't get unemployment insurance to feed your kids. Uh, thank you for laying all that out. It's unfathomable to me that from post-slavery to now, the amount for the minimum wage has only gone up $2.13 yeah. in most states over almost 200 years. That's right. Okay. So I, I actually want to cover another moment in history real quick. You co-founded uh, the Restaurant Opportunity Centers United, ROC United, after 9-11 with a group of workers from Windows on the World to protect workers uh, after another disaster. Can you tell me about responding to that crisis and how it's informed responding to this one? Absolutely. Um, so we, it's so eerily reminiscent of this moment, but we uh, we started Rock as you said after 9/11. I was an attorney and organizer at the time, you know, so I didn't know much of what I was doing. But we were thrown into this situation where hundreds and thirteen thousand restaurants lost their jobs in the months and weeks following 9/11, and we were asked to start a relief center in the aftermath of the tragedy. And we set up a cash relief program where we were handing out checks to workers in need after 9-11 to pay their bills. Uh, and then we were also providing wage subsidies to employers to be able to rehire workers through the government. And um, that really, it was, we call it a phoenix rising from the ashes because that grew into a national organization over the last 20 years working to raise wages across the board, working to uplift these workers' voices, working to, to win. And we had a we had a big victory last year, July 29th. The U.S. House of Representatives passed the Raise the Wage Act, a $15 minimum wage for everybody in this country, including tipped workers with tips on top. Of course, the Senate wasn't going to move it. This president wasn't going to sign it, but we passed it in the House, and a lot of states were moving in this direction when coronavirus hit. So my point is we started out in a moment of incredible tragedy, and out of that grew this incredibly long-term uh, work, this, this effort to change the industry for the better, for the long-term, for everybody, for workers, employers, and consumers. And so I just say that to say uh, there's another moment here where, yes, we're in extreme 
crisis and desperation, but it has laid bare to workers and many employers that we cannot go back. We cannot and should not go back. There is no going back to a $2 wage. It clearly didn't work. And so like 9-11 and what we did after 9-11, there's another moment here of opportunity to reset and say, we've, we must have a new and better and different industry because what's happening to workers right now never have happened. There should never have been a $2 wage to begin with. And we can't let it happen again. We as a country have to learn from our mistakes and not allow this to happen again. And so there's a moment now to say, the industry's shut down. There's a moment of reset. Let's rethink what we're doing and let's uh, build a, a new normal, a better normal where people are actually able to survive and thrive and support their families. I know you've worked with restaurants at, at all levels. You've been involved in, in restaurants all over the country, setting up more equitable employment programs. Uh, people like Daniel Patterson, I know, have, have worked with you. That comes to mind. But you also really focus on, you know, people who work for some of the larger restaurant groups in the country, like Darden, like Applebee's, like IHOP, some of the people who make the lowest wages across the board. Uh, can you tell me about the idea of, of protecting those people too? I, I don't want there to be any kinds of restaurant workers that go unseen. Yeah, I mean, all workers need to be protected right now, whether they work for the chains, and frankly, yes, you're right, some of those folks are the hardest hit, or they're undocumented immigrants, they're not going to get access to anything, unemployment, the stimulus dollars, nothing, um, and they're, you're going to see some, you know, this is a moment with a public health crisis where you begin to understand why we can't just let whole swaths of our society go uncared for, because what happens when millions of documented immigrants who worked in the service sector have no way to feed their families. I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to start going out in the streets looking for food for their children. They're going to start, um, you know, having multiple houses, households merge. And all of that is dangerous for all of us in a public health crisis that does not allow for social distancing. It creates more homelessness. Um, and so we have to take care of everybody right now if we care about our own health. And so, uh, you know, yes, there are millions of people who are not getting access, which is why we started the Emergency Relief Fund on March 16th to provide cash relief to all workers of all kinds and really prioritizing those with dependents and those who don't have access to other benefits. Um, and we're setting up both cash assistance and now even a, a feeding program, a, a free meals program for those workers, also providing all of those workers with legal counseling and uh, counseling about how they could access benefits if they should be eligible and got denied. So trying to provide as much support to as many workers as possible, but especially to those that are most vulnerable and excluded from other benefits. Where can people find you? Where can they find those resources? How can they apply for grants? How can they find the, the meals that you guys are going to be uh, passing out? Yeah, it's ofwemergencyfund.org. Um, the first thing you can do right now as a worker is sign up to get cash relief. Um, we've raised a lot of money, several million dollars to hand out to workers. It's not enough by any means, but we have raised several million dollars to hand out to workers. And, um, and we're setting up the feeding program in the next couple of weeks. So look out for that on that same website. 
How many workers do you think you'll be uh, helping out with with cash? We hope to be. We've already hundred and twenty four thousand applicants to the fund. We hope to be able to at least get cash to twenty or thirty thousand of those, um, and you know, keep raising money to to help everybody. That's our goal. That's, that's incredible. A um, couple million dollars already. It's only been a few weeks. I, I hope you guys keep it up. One uh, statistic on your your amazing stat sheet that's available to everybody on your One Fair Wage website that absolutely floored me is that a uh, Department of Labor investigation found that 84% of investigated restaurants had wage and hour violations and were essentially uh, taking money away from people illegally. That That's right. And the insanity of that statistic is that whenever we have in the past said we can't live on $2, you know, can't live on $3 or $4 or $5 plus tips, the restaurant association's response has always been, well, nobody really lives on 2 or $3. The law says that employers are supposed to ensure that tips bring you to the full minimum wage. And if they don't, they're supposed to make up the difference. And what the Obama administration said, that data is actually 84% of restaurants don't make sure that tips bring you to the full minimum wage. And so the idea that somehow it's okay to pay people 2 and $3 because employers are going to make sure that they get to the full minimum wage with tips, it's a universally um, seen as untrue. It just doesn't exist. Most employers, the vast majority, don't ask you, how much did you make in tips? Let me make sure to make up that difference. It just doesn't happen. So what we've always needed is just a clean system like California has and Oregon and Washington and Nevada and Minnesota and Montana and Alaska. Let's just make sure everybody gets paid the minimum wage. Let tips be on top of that as they were always intended to be since European feudal times when tips were first created. They were always intended to be on top of a wage, not a replacement for a wage. And we're seeing right now with coronavirus, all these tip workers, I use this phrase, living tip to mouth. Suddenly, everybody can see how the idea that you could somehow get a two or three dollar wage and live off of tips doesn't work when you get laid, and the very next day you don't have tips to put into your children's mouths. Another statistic that floored me, and I, I love your stat sheet. I've been reading it now for days. It's become like a mantra for me. <laughs> Thanks. He, so I'm just going to read it back. Restaurant industry is the largest employer of workers who earn less than the minimum wage. Astounding. Yeah. Especially astounding when you know that prior to coronavirus, we were the largest and fastest growing industry in the United States. When you have the fastest growing industry, the industry that most new workers are coming into, whether they're young people graduating from college or, you know, they're coming out of jail or prison or they're new immigrants or they're just newly, new, newly into the workforce. These are the jobs that are available and they largely pay less than the minimum wage. That means even before coronavirus, we were heading to disaster economically because already before coronavirus, you had a situation where a large and growing number of Americans couldn't afford to eat or consume. And as just an economist, maybe doesn't care about workers who's just looking at the future of our economy, that doesn't bode well when so much of America can't afford to consume. But now, now you get to a place where not only can they not afford to consume, they can't afford to survive. And we're seeing the brunt of extreme greed in keeping these workers as low at the low wages that they were at. 
There's been a lot of coalition building in the restaurant world over the course of, of the last three weeks and people trying to organize and get the attention of Congress so restaurants can be included in things like the CARE Act and, and people are are coming to a place where you live, that level of activism and and lobbying. Have any of those new restaurant groups reached out to, to you to include your platform in what you're doing? And who have been your allies in the restaurant world? Who agree with you? Yeah. Who, who, who's who's a powerful friend? Yeah, no, thank you for asking. So, you know, it's an incredible moment of change. Uh, we, before coronavirus, we had 800 restaurant companies that um, believed in what we were doing. So everybody from Daniel Patterson to Danny Meyer and Alice Waters and Tom Colicchio down to small mom and pop restaurants all over the country. The vast majority of our group of 800 were smaller independent businesses really committed to livable wages and working conditions. Um, And yes, we've had that beyond that 800, we've had an incredible experience with lots more restaurant owners, some of whom opposed us in the past on this issue come to us and say we're willing to consider one fair wage going forward if we help them stay alive and so we've been working with congress members and various governors and state legislatures and city councils to provide uh cash and 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 actually subsidies and grants to restaurants that um commit to going to one fair wage next year and a hundred percent of it is with an eye to not just this moment but how do we utilize this moment that our future for all of us? In other words, how are we offering cash in a way that draws workers in, provides them support, and allows them to lift up their voices for change in the future? How are we providing relief to restaurants in a way that commits them to better practices in the future? To me, that's the most important thing because you know, it's like that old saying, you give a fish, a man a fish, he lives for a day, <laughs> he can eat for a day. If you teach him how to fish or you provide him with some self-sufficiency, he can survive his lifetime. And that goes for women too. <laughs> and so um, that is what we're looking at. We can't just, no amount of cash or food is going to be enough. I hope people see that what we need is structural reform. And we can use this moment and provide the relief support each other now and build a new normal tomorrow by really designing the programs in a way that incentivizes and encourages change for the future. Surreal, I think you're one of the real heroes and leading lights of this entire movement, and you've been banging the drum for almost 20 years. Um, I've been asking everybody what their big takeaway is from this moment, from this pandemic, but you have... uh, 20 years of experience in, in thinking about this. So I don't know if it's fair to ask for one big takeaway. Absolutely. Um, the big takeaway uh, is this big frame we've been putting out there, which is our, our motto now. There is no going back. We support each other today and we build a new normal tomorrow. That's, to me, the message of the moment. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for sharing your your message and and your advocacy. Um, we'll direct people to your to your website, to your fact sheet, and to your fundraising efforts. Thank you so much, Howie. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Kahn, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Kahn, for Free Time Media. 
Our logo is by Reynald Philippe at Peoples. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, and Raphael Weil. We're back with an all-new episode on Monday. This is Takeaway Only.